Hello, and welcome back to The City Speaks. I'm Spark City, your host. And this week we're going to talk about my journey in gaming throughout my life. I'm 30 years old, and I've been gaming for a long, long time. And after the last few weeks, you know, we've had some kind of downer topics, so I wanted to do something a little bit more fun. Figured I'd talk about my journey in gaming over the course of my life, including some of the lessons that I've learned that I actually try to apply to my life as a whole, uh, as opposed to just to gaming. So I got my first game system, which is my big gray Game Boy, four AA batteries, when I was three. My first game was Super Mario Land 2 The Six Golden Coins, and that's I, I pretty much fell in love instantly with gaming. Probably my first nostalgic memory uh, of gaming was my mom actually calling my dad at work to ask if I could play the Game Boy while it was charging, because we had like that big, also huge gray charge pack. And if you had those four AA batteries, it was better to get rechargeable ones, because that thing chewed through those like a hot knife through butter or something. Even then, even back in the day as like a three or four year old, I wanted to share my love of gaming. Uh, I remember I have a memory of, you know, my mom and dad sitting on the couch on Saturday mornings. We were allowed to play some video games on Saturday mornings when we woke up. And uh, I offered my dad my Game Boy and I insisted that he play because I was like, this is rad. I want him to see that it's rad. And of course, you know, he was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And then, you know, died a few times and was like, here you go. Um, but even then I wanted to share my love of gaming with people. About a year later, I got a Game Boy Color. This is the this is the era I'm, I remember a lot better. Uh, you know, Pokemon Blue and Silver, Zelda Link's Awakening. We we had some of those hilarious like off-brand stuff like Robo RoboCop versus Terminator, which was like the game was fine, but you know it was just one of those like cheap movie tie-in games where I'm pretty sure the label on the cartridge itself like it wasn't even cover art. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like either legalese or some sort of maybe like a breakdown of the game's story or something, but it was just a wall of text. It was hilarious and just said RoboCop on the top. Uh, and then when I was six or seven, my mom scored us an N64 from a consignment store and we had games like Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, Super Smash Brothers, and Ocarina of Time. And speaking of Ocarina of Time, my brother and I struggled beating that game. We even had one of those like huge, beautifully printed strategy guides, you know, like the big magazine things that you got from your a bookstore or something. We got it from Chapters. Those were, the, those were the days when I couldn't beat Ocarina of Time uh, and the internet didn't exist. A year later, because my dad knew a guy at Radio Shack, we managed to snag a PS2 on launch. Uh, basically, the guy was like, hey, if you can pay for it now, I'll reserve one for you. And when, they, when it comes to the store, I'll give it to you. So pretty much on launch, we got uh, a PS2, which is, you know, super lucky. All about who you know, you know, nepotism and whatever. And this console was, I would say, PS2 was absolutely the console of my childhood. Basically from age 7 to around, got like 16, I think. We'll get into that later. And we started with the classic launch titles. You had SSX, which most people know. Smuggler's Run, which few people know. Armored Core, which a few people know. And Orphan, which no one knows. And I played the hell out of all of them. Um, and this era is where, like, my weird nostalgia, if you've ever heard me talk about this on stream, it's, it's very bizarre. But I have this really nice nostalgia for PS2 era rock textures. Um, games like Smuggler's Run, Armored Core a little bit, Orphan, Prince of Persia, Eternal Ring. A lot of the games that I played as a kid had these. And so, you know, whenever I see them, it gives you that like warm feeling of childhood, you know, where you, we would spend hours in my room at my dad's house, me and my brother's room at my dad's house and uh, just, just gaming away. And, you know, to tie into that, the social aspect of gaming became much more of a thing as well for me as uh, my brother and I shared a room at my dad's, like I said. And we had a, a PC as well because my dad was in IT, so we had a, a nice little gaming PC in the early 2000s. Uh, so combining the PS2 with the with the PC, we were always in the same room gaming together, and so we you know would show each other what we we're playing, or one of us would watch the other one. Uh, it was super fun. 
And I have fond memories of that as well. I even remember discovering like the L3 and R3 buttons on PS2, which is like when you click the stick in on the controller, there's that's actually a button. In Armored Core 2, it activated something called Overboost, which in the title item, like the, the title cutscene before the game started, the guy does Overboost and we were like, whoa, like how do you do that? Is that something like, whoa? And then to find out that you could do that in game with this button that we didn't even know existed, that was like a cool, a cool little moment when we were kids. And also renting a game was much more of a thing back then. This is where probably the first time where I started like exploring gaming, although it wasn't really with any level of depth, you know, after a couple of years of playing the same three or four games, you wanted to branch out a little bit. So we'd walk into, at the time it was Jumbo Video, which was our rental store of choice. And we rent a game each for the weekend for like five bucks and then go home and play them. But obviously I was picking mine based on like what the box art looked like, or, you know, what the game, what the back of the box blurb said about it. I, I didn't, again, the internet wasn't as omnipotent as it is now. So it didn't really inform my decisions very much. They definitely got some duds. Uh, I remember there was a game I rented for N64, actually, called Shadowgate 64, Trials of the Four Towers. And I'm sure it's a super cool game. I think it was like a fantasy adventure kind of game. But when your character died, he had such a terrifying death scream that as a kid, I couldn't play it. I was like a massive, I'm still a massive wimp, but I was especially a massive wimp as a kid. And so I remember I was in a dungeon somewhere and I walked into some water, which was too deep. And my guy just fell and died and screamed. And I was like, okay, turn that off. Yep. I'm going back to Ocarina of Time, going back to Smuggler's Run. Nobody's scary there. I'm just going to drive around and pick up contraband and deliver it to cartels. And eventually when I was 14, this is, you know, we're skipping forward a few years, but that was basically the holding pattern. You know, we had some launch titles. We'd get some games on, you know, for birthday or Christmas and, uh, and then renting a lot of the other time. But eventually, when I was 14, a family friend brought over Guitar Hero 3, and that was a huge moment for me. Basically, I hogged the console for the entire night. I don't think I let anybody else play the game. Uh, <laughs> wasn't always the most socially graceful kid. Uh, not always the uh, the debutante that you see before you today, or you hear before you today. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, Guitar Hero, obviously I fell in love with that game. Guitar Hero 3 was my first time playing a rhythm game. And I asked for the game for Christmas on my PS2 and received it. And it, it essentially became the only game I played for years until I left for university. So this would have been like, you know, early 2008, all the way until late 2010. So about about two and a half years I played this game. And this and then Rock Band and Rock Band 2 were pretty much the only games I played for that time period. And this was really the first example of me hyper-focusing on something gaming-wise and grinding it really hard. And I got really good at it. It's also what started me on YouTube. You know, I started watching... Uh, watching people back in the day, like James, like Coulter and guys like that, um, you know, post their crazy runs. And, and the spring after I received the game for Christmas, I started posting runs with Max, uh, you know, scores, high scores, full combos and stuff like that. And we were recording on his parents' digital camera. It was a really 240p style. So eventually I got my first job at, uh, I was a fresh 16 year old, got my first job. And with the money I saved with the help of my mom, cause my mom was a champ at teaching me budgeting. I eventually bought myself a PS3 and I got Rock Band at first. I think I got Rock Band for Christmas that year. And then I bought Rock Band 2 later later on the next year, I think. Um, and Rock Band 2, I would say, is potentially the most significant game of my life. It introduced me to a lot of things. It introduced me to some amazing music. It also introduced me to more of a gaming online with, with people I don't know, uh, the social aspect of gaming. I'd never really done that. I mostly played single player games and stuff like that. So joining a band, joining a voice chat in game and talking with other people as we played songs was like so new to me. And I was terrified because I was, you know, I was like 15. I didn't know what was going on. I'm a pretty shy kid. And also competition. 
though this competition there was score duel which was like pvp real time you fought against each other over a song and whoever scored the most points won but most of what i did was compete against the leaderboards which i would term as more pve and for the uninitiated that's player versus environment or event um which is means i'm not competing against another player i'm just competing against a leaderboard even though obviously a leaderboard is populated by scores of another player but it, it feels completely different to competing against somebody in real time for me um and i loved it and i was pretty good at it i had a lot of tied for first place scores uh, a couple first ever full combos of songs and i got myself a little camcorder eventually for posting youtube videos as well and even way back in high school you know i'd get home and i've been thinking about rock band and youtube and what song i was going to put up and, and stuff like that uh learned how to you know put videos onto youtube i didn't know how to edit i couldn't afford editing software so you know i just plugged my camera in and and it was basically like one file was one take of a song if i messed up the song i'd i'd turn off the, or stop recording restart recording and restart the song uh it was pretty high tech and after high school i moved into a dorm my first year at university which kind of put an end to my rock band days because i didn't really want to bring my massive setup with drums and stuff like that into a small room that i had to share with another human being but because i was still playing a lot of video games and i, I still had my part-time job but very few expenses basically you know i just had to pay for my uh um my food and stuff because tuition and all that stuff gets out of the way at the beginning of the year and i was very lucky to have that you know largely paid for i i paid a little bit of it but obviously you know a part-time job isn't going to put you through college um but i began buying my own games on mass for the very first time uh, this is probably the most exploratory period i'd had in gaming up to that point nearly almost every paycheck it felt like if i had finished everything i owned i would go to eb games you know the mall was about a five minute walk for me and i'd buy something new uh, as long as I was done with whatever I had, had played before. I, even if I hadn't finished the game, if I was like done playing it, you know, if I was like, this game sucks, it's not for me. Um, this is where I tried stuff, God, like Modern Warfare 2, Mirror's Edge, Oblivion, Killzone, Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia 2008, Army of Two, Final Fantasy, Infamous, God of War, Borderlands, Uncharted. Like I could go on and on and on. You know, I tried a lot of games during this time period. Um, Oblivion was a big highlight. It's probably the first Western RPG I ever really played, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the first night I played it actually was with a friend and I was such a wimp, you know, even into my teenage years that I had to give her the controller to fight the first zombie enemy that you find in the tutorial area because I was scared. And, you know, eventually I got over that crippling fear and I sank hundreds of hours into the game and I'd spend, you know, whole afternoons just wandering around the countryside, plundering ruins, killing enemies, fighting ghosts, all that stuff. Now, this era really helped me understand what I did and didn't like in gaming. I tried dozens of games, you know, and it varied widely in genres. I found some absolute bangers. I found some total duds. But because I grew up on PS2 launch titles and then rhythm games, everything that I was, you know, trying now was new and fresh and it was exciting, you know. I, was, I wasn't I was stuck in my comfort zone so much. As a small aside, I think one of my favorite games to talk about are either the one are probably the ones that, even though I found them super interesting, they just didn't hold up over time or they couldn't keep my attention. Orphan is my number one cited example of this, like cool story, cool, you know, cool concept, terrible execution in my opinion. And it's a game that I played a lot as a kid. So I would play it any day of the week, you know, if I was asked to, but it's, I wouldn't say it's a great game. <laughs> and another one that I really like is Resonance of Fate. Maybe I got to go back and give that one a whirl sometime because really cool story, really cool setting, good voice talent, interesting combat system. I just couldn't get the hang of it. Maybe I should go back and try it sometime. Maybe I will. Uh, so after first year university, I moved into an apartment that I would eventually spend the next six and a half years in. And eventually Max moved in for a year and a half. We had just finished Borderlands. Uh, we wanted to try, try and find something else we could play together. 
And a, a friend of mine had recently shown me League of Legends, and I was like, ah, oh, let's try this, you know, as a holdover. Let's Until we find something a little bit more serious that we're going to play, let's try League of Legends. So we ended up playing that for three years. Um, and this was not only my first game that was PvP competition, you know, player versus player in real time, but it was also my introduction to Twitch. Uh, as I started watching some of the pros, you know, of the day on Twitch, this was around 2012, 2013. Doublelift was one of them, as I mentioned last week. Um, I never got good at League uh, because I had a lot to learn about PvP competition. I'd never done it before. I didn't grow up playing Call of Duty or StarCraft or Halo. I played Rock Band Score Duel, like I said, but that didn't really count, and I was more of a leaderboard guy. I played House League Soccer growing up, but I can't recall actually ever caring about whether my team won or lost. So this whole area of PvP competition was completely new to me, and I had a lot to learn. You know, learning how to be a team player, how to manage my mood, how to self-improve, these were all important skills that I was completely lacking because I'd never had to do them before. It's very easy to externalize your issues, especially in gaming, because of the anonymity and the disconnect you have from random teammates. You don't know these people, so it's super easy to, you know, project your problems onto them, blame them for all the mistakes in the game, throw them under the bus, figuratively speaking, and then, rather than admit that you made a mistake and try and improve it. The good news was, because I didn't have years of experience in these things. I didn't have any of these bad habits to erase. So it might've been a little bit easier for me than for some folks who've been playing multiplayer their whole lives because I didn't come into this, you know, with expectations of like, ah, yep, blame the team, easy. Uh, and I do credit Doublelift for opening my eyes to this. Uh, like I said in the last episode, his message of when you die in in the game, you die for, no. When you die in League of Legends, 99% of the time, there's something you could have done better. It's a mentality that I have tried to carry through my entire life because I think it's, it's very healthy and it'll Obviously, when you die in, in real life, there's probably something you could have done differently, but probably maybe not. Who knows? Um, but more so, you know, when you make a mistake in real life, when something goes wrong, what could you have done to fix it? It's a hard mentality to get into sometimes because you, you feel like you're constantly blaming yourself when sometimes there, there definitely are external things keeping you from succeeding. But for the most part, you can't control those external things. So the best thing you can do is focus on what you can control and improve that and try to be the best version of yourself that you can be. I think it's a very healthy approach to take as long as you do it constructively. If it turns into you berating yourself, obviously this isn't this isn't fantastic. So after three years of being legitimately addicted to League, I quit cold turkey. And this is a habit I would form in the years to come that was mostly a positive, though sometimes a negative. We'll get into that later. The period following League, but before my next major focus which we'll talk about in a sec, marked another sort of period of exploration in gaming, this time manifesting itself as trophy hunting. I bought more games during this time than I had in years, including such bangers as Trine 1 and 2, Odyssey to the West, Tales of Symphonia, XCOM Enemy Unknown, and just, just a metric ton of games. And again, st still reaching outside my usual comfort zones, right? Like I, I had rhythm games that I really liked, didn't play too many rhythm games after that. I had League of Legends that I really liked, didn't play a lot of MOBAs after that. You know, I'm trying Trine 1 and 2, which are 2.5D physics puzzle platformers. Odyssey to the West, which is kind of like an adventure, an adventure story game. Tales of Symphonia, JRPG. XCOM Enemy Unknown, RTS on console, lol. And I didn't know anything about trophy guides or websites or anything like that. I just knew that if I was having issues with the trophy, I could probably look it up on YouTube or something. I also played a game called N++ for a few months, and I got pretty good at it in its, uh, as I was working towards the Platinum Trophy in it. This is still one of my rare, rare Platinum Trophies, and I think I'm 7th on the leaderboard in terms of speed to unlock it, which is kind of fudged because one of the trophies is bugged. But either way, I managed to snag uh, first place times in, in a bunch of different episodes, which are what they call level packs, and would upload them to my YouTube. After not really doing YouTube for a, for a few years, this was kind of the time that I got rebitten by the content creation bug. 
Um, and I'm sure all the people I worked with at the time were goddamn sick of hearing me talk about my YouTube channel and eventually my stream, but we'll get into that. In July 2015, Rocket League came out, and uh, I remember, you know, it was a free game on PlayStation Plus, so I was playing it on console. And I remember sitting down to play it that first night, and I, I think I missed the ball for like 45 minutes straight, and I was just giggling to myself, and it was it was so much fun. I loved it. It was nothing I'd ever played before. And uh, I played that first week against bots because the servers were down on release, and I eventually got Max into it, and, uh, and then I got it for PC because he got it on PC as well. Over the next few years, I would play the absolute heck out of this game, and uh, I managed to achieve things I'm still proud of to this day. Uh, and this is where my video game journey also sort of ties into my streaming journey. I'm going to keep them separate for this episode. I'm going to try not to talk too much about streaming. Um, if you do want to hear more about specifically my streaming journey, let me know. I can do an episode on that easily. Uh, but for now, we're just talking about my journey with video games. Although, obviously, of course, at this point, they're hard to separate streaming and video games because that's my life. So I started streaming in 2016 immediately, um, and I was streaming Rocket League, and and, and uh, it became kind of my life outside of work, you know. And it was it was pretty it was a pretty interesting time. I, I really had to juggle a lot between, you know, learning how to stream, learning how to set up a stream, learning how to conduct myself, and then also playing the game and everything that goes along with that, you know, managing your mental. Um, I played Rocket League for a long time, and I did a brief full-time stint in November, full-time streaming stint in November, and I played the absolute heck out of Rocket League. Um, and then in January 2018, you know, with all that time to play, I steadily rose the ranks and, uh, and managed to hit max rank in uh, two versus two grand champion which was at the time was the highest rank in rocket league definitely one of my proudest accomplishments it was very much like a long-term goal that i managed to you know incrementally step by step day by day get closer and closer to i suffered some setbacks you know you'd have days where you go on tilt and lose a lot of rank but uh you know we eventually got there and this was like a really important moment for me as not only just as a gamer but also as a person to show you know long-term goals the persistence to stick with a long-term goal and to create shorter term goals Ranked kind of does that for you because, you know, you can be at the bottom of the ranks and be like, I want to get to the top. And you have several incremental ranks in between there that help feel, make it feel, or make the journey feel rewarding, I guess. Um, so I played Rocket League for another two years, I want to say after that. Yeah, basically till the beginning of 2020, uh, till May 2020. Um, and at that point, I had hit max rank in every game mode. I had been top 100 in a couple game modes. I even managed to throw together a team for, you know, to we we at, took a run at qualifying for the pro scene, even though none of us really cared. We managed to get to like the second stage of it, which is like top 128. Which if you're allowed, or you've been around my stream for a long time, you know the top 128 by the by the way memes. He did 69th. Um, that's a that's a meme from the Rocket League days, and and that was really fun. I mean, it was it was cool, but I sort of had run out of goals. Um, you know, I'd, I'd hit these ranks. I didn't care about hitting them again. I didn't want to go pro. I had no aspirations of becoming a professional Rocket League player. So I, I was sort of, you know, done with it. I couldn't figure out a way. And this is sort of where I realized how that I was goal-oriented. I'm a goal-oriented gamer. I like overcoming goals that either I set for myself or the game sets for me. Um, and I didn't have any, any of these anymore in Rocket League. So the game, I slowly lost interest in the game. And as of about May of 2020, I stopped playing Rocket League on stream and in general. Again, I did this cold turkey very abruptly, which at the time didn't seem like a big deal. Uh, but the style of doing things that, uh, it's a style of doing things that I've come to realize could be improved. And again, I'll talk about that a bit later. The summer of 2020 was another time of exploration in gaming. I was still, I was full-time streaming again. 
I played Rocket League so much, though, in the last, like, five years that I didn't really have time for much else. I hadn't played too, too much else. And this was the time to remedy that. So I played through The Witcher 3. I played through Dark Souls 1 and 3. I played all the Pokemon games after Gen 2 because I stopped as a child at Gen 2. I did some Nuzlocke runs. I quickly realized, though, that when I was streaming especially, I prefer to have a single game to focus on and get really good at. It's where I get my kicks at this point is getting to the top of the heap in, in a game. Um, in August of 2020, one of my mods suggested I try Fall Guys. And initially I was like, mm, I don't know. You know, anytime I see a game blow up on my timeline, it usually disappears just as quickly. But I figured I'd give it a try, you know, in the interest of, of experimentation and exploration. Obviously, instantly, I fell in love with the game, and I played it pretty much every day on stream, and then I would play it for hours after stream, too. It became my main game basically overnight. You know, I was looking to rack up win after win after win. And pursuant to our last episode about professional loneliness, it was also I was also very lucky that I had a couple of friends who were just as into it as I was, Beartorv and Protato. I have super fond memories of those summer nights staying up till like 5 a.m., playing this silly children's bean game, laughing at hackers, having a great time. And I definitely credit this with helping cement my enjoyment for the game. You know, having that, even even a small community of friends like that can be very beneficial, especially to me. So eventually I started to rack up a pretty high number of wins and as a result got a shot to be on, my twi on a Twitch Rivals team. This was a dream come true and it was easily the most nervous I'd ever been for anything up to that point. You know, this was the first major competition of my life It wasn't that wasn't just climbing a rank ladder. This was a tournament. You know, it's a one and done thing. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. You can't come back tomorrow and regain your lost your lost tournament like you could with ranked um it felt like my whole world was riding on this especially as a streamer you know again it's hard to separate gaming and streaming for me at this point i'm trying my best but but going into the final game of that twitch rivals tournament my team was in command to win it all until i choked around right before the end which opened the door for the opposing team to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat uh i was pretty pretty torn up about this i probably didn't sleep for two maybe three nights after that like not very well you know very fitfully i just kept kind of replaying the moment over and over and over and over in my head um but one of my teammates Stuart, uh was you know i we i reached out to him because i knew he would be taking the loss hard as well i reached out to him after you know after the tournament and we sort of commiserated over that weekend and it and became friends uh and obviously we be, we were friends for many months after that close friends many months after that and we competed in a lot of tourneys together after that point. Um, and so after Twitch Rivals, it was a heartbreaking loss. Like it's it's hard to describe, but having won major tournaments, it feels so much worse to have gotten that close and then lost than it than it feels good to win. You know, if feeling if feeling good about winning is like a plus ten on the emotion spectrum getting that close and losing is like minus 100 it's for me it's not even close i also don't have the healthiest mentality when it comes to winning and losing like again not having been competitive against other people my whole life kind of you know i don't have a lot of the great habits that that these folks who were raised on you know call of duty starcraft all that stuff they they might have a lot more tolerance for it for me and this is something i worked on a lot in fall guys when i win something it it just feels like a relief and when I lose, it feels terrible. So my choices are relief and terrible, which are not great. You should feel euphoric when you win, you know? And so in that mindset, you know, in that mindset, I sort of realized that I was like this and I kept pushing myself to join competitions to try and improve this. And after a few good performances with help from Stuart, Beartorf, and Essence, my stream started growing uh, to the point where I got an invite for Fall Mania 7, which is a winner-take-all 5K US dollar invite-only tournament hosted by Grand Pooh Bear and sponsored by Red Bull. I was, again, absolutely petrified, uh, especially because this time, 
I didn't have a team. It was a solo effort. All the tournaments I'd competed in up to that point were team-based. It was a solo effort this time. It was just going to be me. Um, so I was terrified. I, I called my dad that morning and was like, hey, can you can you help me deal with this pressure? Because, you know, like he, he owns his own business. So if he's trying to close a deal and he has to make a pitch or a presentation to somebody or have a meeting and, and you know, sell his product... And, and there's so much riding on it, you know, if it's a big contract or whatever, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, but if it's a big deal, like the opportunity is so huge and it could really change your career, which I felt like this could, how do you deal with that pressure? And his advice was essentially just like, don't think about that, you know, forehead obviously, but stay in the moment. If you let your imagination run off and, and like, oh, what if I win? And then you plan out, you know, like, how am I going to, you know, what's my stream going to look like? You know, what's it going to be like getting that money, all that stuff. Then you're going to feel extra terrible when you lose. So his his approach was kind of just minimizing the potential of losing in terms of like the emotional toll it would take. Just stay grounded, focus on the task at hand. You know, it's it's solid advice. Uh, and, and it really helped me a lot. Um, and after fighting my way to the finals, I managed to clutch it out and win the tournament. This is probably the single greatest moment of my gaming journey. Uh, I had to learn a lot and overcome a lot of my own fears and push myself to do something great. And I, I managed to pull it off. Even even just thinking about it now, like I can still kind of recall the exact feeling of basically the whole day, like everything from the nerves to the jitters and then the absolute euphoria of, of having won it. Um, it Yeah, it <laughs> this win obviously coincided with some massive stream growth, uh, which in February of 2021 allowed me to achieve my longtime goal of becoming a partner Twitch streamer. Uh, and if it feels like I'm glossing over a lot of streaming stuff, again, I, I am. Um, I can do an episode on my streaming journey, but I wanted this to be more about the gaming side of things. Um, in late 2021, though, my interest in Fall Guys began to wane. Again, I'd sort of run out of goals. You know, I'd racked up 5,000 wins in public lobbies. Adding another 1K didn't feel useful at all. Like, what was the point? I won a major tournament of, or won a major tournament with every major format, pretty much. And the game started to become more frustrating than fun because of the way that the developers were handling it. And so in December of 2021, I decided to stop streaming Fall Guys cold turkey. Uh, this worked for me before in the past because I didn't really have much to think about streaming-wise. Uh, but I think going forward, I'll probably have to be a bit more gentle about any transition I make away from a main, any main game that I have. You know, I can't just... That's, that's another topic for the streaming, uh, streaming episode if I do one. Um, but for all of 2022, I've been focused on trophy hunting. Uh, I really enjoy it, although as a content creator, I'm still struggling a bit to figure out how to make it fun and accessible for people to watch, you know, how to spice it up, because it is your kind of variety streaming, and I'm, it's not something I've been very good at, but I've still accomplished some things I'm super proud of, you know, we reached 100 platinum trophies in early August, starting the year at 50, I got, and, and just recently, just on yesterday, actually, uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, and, and the prior day, October 21st, I think, I managed to, or 22nd, I managed to snag the final platinum trophy from every from software souls and souls like game. Uh, and I've also maintained a community of incredibly supportive and, and fun people to be around. You know, uh, it's, uh, that's something I, I cannot overstate the value of. It's another period of exploration for me, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it's up and down mentally, but as I attempt to select my next platinum trophies of some variety to keep it spicy, um, you know, to keep it, exploratory and fun and unique but i can't wait to see where my main game what my next main game is and where my gaming journey is going to take me it's it's really exciting to me um, i'm so blessed that i get to do this for a living even as long as i have even if it all ended tomorrow i'd still remember this period of my life extremely fondly 
Um, and gaming is going to be a part of my life until the end of it because it's just what I love to do. I couldn't couldn't tell you exactly why I love gaming so much. I think it's because it, it's interesting, right? Gaming is such an interesting medium. It's really the only entertainment medium I could think of that because it's so active, your participation in it is so active as opposed to, you know, movies, TV, or even reading. Like you can't, it's so cool to me that people can be like, ah, yeah, you know, speed running, that's a way of playing a game, challenge runs, all these other things, you know, you could cosplay runs, or if you wanted to play something like Stardew, you could make your, make your farm in a certain way, or, you know, all these different ways you can play a game are so interesting to me. And that's, that's what makes gaming part of what makes gaming super fun. You can't really like, <clears throat> I mean, you can't really change how you watch a movie, you know, outside of like recreational drugs or, you know, turning the subtitles on and changing it to a different language for a bit of a culture shock or something. I don't know. You can't really change that. I think a book is pretty close because your imagination is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, so you're still, there's still quite an active component in reading, even if it's a little bit more intangible. Um, but movies, TV, even listening to music, you know, you're going to get something different out of it from somebody else. Sure, maybe, but you can't really listen to music a different way. I could, I could play Fall Guys with a Guitar Hero controller. You know, is there a way that you could experience a show in a different way? I don't know. Maybe there is. I'm, I'm not really into shows, movies, or shows or movies, but that's the part of the thing I love about gaming is how creative people can be with it and the opportunity for skill expression and showing how much you love it you know, outside of, outside of just playing it a lot. It's so cool to me. Um, and, and gaming is one of the coolest things in the entire world. And I'm so blessed that I get to do it as a career, even, like I said, even for as long as I have, um, you know, I'm going to keep working hard. I'm going to keep pushing it, keep pushing myself to try and continue to improve, hone my craft, so to speak, and, and get better at it. And I really appreciate everybody who's stuck with me, you know, both on stream and, you know, the folks who have been, who've been listening to the podcast winter and nord are are the two who have who've talked to me about it I, I can't tell you guys how much i appreciate it i'm going to keep trying keep trying to make everybody proud and keep trying to have fun with what i do and and be exceptional so thank you all very much for listening to this episode uh let me know what you thought i scripted this one you could probably tell i scripted this one a little bit more closely because i i've been using my morning walks to sort of brainstorm podcast ideas and, and talk about conversations and i think three mornings in a row i tried this you know, this topic about, and I just kept getting distracted. So I wanted to script this one a little bit harder. Um, so let me know what you thought. And uh, let me know if the streaming journey episode would interest you. If not, we can t talk about something else. I've already got some good topics for the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, thank you all very much for, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, you, as always, you can find me in my Discord. Uh, or you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash sparkcity. You can find me on Twitter at the Spark City. Uh, let me know what you thought about the episode. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you next week. And I hope everybody has a great week ahead. Bye-bye.